morning. Um, I've I've been asked to to, uh, to speak today, and it's a there's a lot that was read in the chapter to try to concise it into a little talk. I'll do do my best. Um, I I used to work with Gaina at the monks' yard, and that is how I knew about this church and why I've been invited to to, to speak today. A little bit about myself is that I. Um, I moved to England in 2005. I worked with a youth Christian charity called SWIM. So you joined SWIM, which stands for Southwest Youth Ministries. Then they placed you in a town, city, or village in the UK. So I was placed in Chard. And so I've, and when I was in Chard, I was working with the schools and all of the, the churches for a few years. And now I lead a youth charity called Street space, which we hang out with kids on the streets and in the, the skate parks. And through that, relationships, then we do mentoring with them, courses on drug, drug awareness, but it all starts on the streets with them. I used to go to Bible college in the U.S., and um, apparently in the 1980s, the preacher got a half an hour to talk during, during the chapel, and they had lights at the, the podium, whatever you call this thing, and um, if it was green, it meant you can keep on preaching. If it was yellow, it's almost time to wrap up. But if it was red, if you got to the red point, you were never allowed back to just <laughs> spit. So I'm hoping not to get to the, the red part in this today. This is the fifth week of the nine-week series in Ephesians. So I don't know what you've been told before, so hopefully none of this will be repeated. And if it is, fair enough. It's sometimes it's good to repeat things. So, so Paul was in jail when he was writing, <coughs> writing this. And he, um, he had been to Ephesus twice. Second time he went, he was there for three and a half years, which was the longest he, was, he has been in one place ever in his ministry. And he had a deep affection and a deep love for the Ephesians. And the first three books of Ephesians, which I'm the last part of the three, um, the three chapters, talked about our identity in Christ. And then chapters 4 through 6 talk about our, our practice. Or as a theologian once said, the first three chapters talk about no what you are, and then the last three chapters are be what you know that you are. And so we're going to focus now on verse 1 in chapter 3. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. I think it's God's version. You can disagree if you want to, but that's what I'm going to be going on today. It says in, in verse 1, which was read, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, for you Gentiles. And then there's a hyphen. I think in all Bibles. And it's almost as if he picks up that, that, that same theme in verse 14 for this reason. And he goes on a little bit of a... Sorry, keep it up that first slide. And he almost goes on a bit of a di- digression or an interruption in verses, thank you, 2, two through 13. So we're going to spend a few, times going over, or a few minutes going over the first half of the chapter... Then the remaining 15 minutes going over the second half of the chapter. So Paul discusses the 
the mystery. And the mystery, if you could put up the next slide, is in verse 6. The mystery is that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Now, this would have been foreign to some people because the Old Testament mindset was just the Jews. And this, verse 6, the mystery that the Apostle Paul talks about is that, no, the, the mystery, the, the hope that's in Christ is for all, not just one people group, but it's for the whole nation. It, it includes all of us. Now, the, a lot of people would have already known this. This isn't the first time that Paul would have said this. However, a lot of people would have ignored this in the past or would have misremembered it or would have thought of it not as important as it is. So Paul wants to reiterate that he got through Revelation that the, that the Bible, that the, the hope is for all nations, not just the Jews. And in verse 8, Paul describes himself as the least, as the less than the least of all the saints. Which I don't know how you can get any less than, than that. Which is, can you put up the next slide, please? Which is, which is amazing, because here is Paul, who has done so much. He has planted churches. He, he, is, he have written almost half of the, the New Testament. He has discipled. He, he has evangelized. He's been persecuted and tortured. And he calls himself... The less than the least. And it is because, I think, is because he wants to uplift or promote Christ. And he wants to make a big gap between himself and Jesus Christ. Verse 9, Paul is describing his, his desire to help every believer see their role in administering, spreading, distributing the gospel. We're going to come back to that in a minute. We're going to go to verse 10 and verse 11, which ultimately is man's redemption through Jesus Christ. If you put up the next slide, Calvin calls man's redemption the great exchange. And the great exchange is where on, on, the, on the cross, Christ was the most simple human being that ever existed. So for those that lie, he became a liar. For those who murdered, he became a murderer. On, on the cross, he became the most despicable human being that has ever lived. And because of that, so for our, 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 our failure in its place, we have his success and all of the, the rest of that. And because God the Father is a holy God, and because he can't look on sin, that's why he had to turn his face on a son. And if 10 and verse 11, man's redemption, if that didn't exist, if that wasn't true, then we could not have verse 12, which is in whom we have the boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So this boldness, this confidence, now is not just for the Jews, it's for all mankind. And how are we, the church, the Western church, or the church, is going to promote this hope to talk about this hope with people who aren't in the church. I did a, um, a master's degree in youth work, and I, wanted, I did it on branding. And I, um, 
I had questionnaires produced, and one of the one of the questions was, "What thoughts or emotions come to mind when you think about the church?" Three hundred and three young people were questioned. I wasn't in the room for most of them, so it could have been, so, so they were honest. And it was people from school, it was students, people in the drop interview run, people on the streets, young people. What do you think they said? What words and emotions came to mind, do you think, that they would have said when they discussed, when they thought about the church? Honey, you can't say that. <laughs> If you want to put up the, the, the next slide, this is, I hope it's readable. Um, 40, is it 48% or 46% gave other reasons or left it blank? I mean, there isn't, if you look at that, there's not any above nine besides leaving them blank or putting down nothing. There, there, there isn't any positive emotions. I guess positive emotions up, up there, really. We, we as Christians, we have a hope that the mystery was revealed. It's for all of us. We have a hope which should bring excitement to us. And I think for me, I mean, perhaps you explain in your experience is the fact that um, when things are going bad for some people, that is when they want prayer or to talk to a Christian. I mean, I, as I said, I was in Bible college and um, it was in upstate New York, so I'm closer to Canada than I am to New York City, hence the accent isn't very thick or strong. Um, but I did a 10-week internship in New York City, and, it, and it, was, it just happened to be, it was in September when the towers fell. So I was there a week before. I was going fishing um, with this eccentric minister that day. It was going to be fun. I don't fish. It's not for me, but I figured out why not do it, you know. So I was in the, the subway um, when the when the first uh, plane hit the tower and the the subway shook, the lights went off, it was there. It was, it was just a long day, especially when there's no phone lines to call home to say that yeah, I'm okay. But um, so when that happened, the itinerary or the agenda for the for the time that we were there changed, and we and we would just set up then prayer. It's just basically a table, a sign if you want, prayer and some Bibles were there. Loads came. And I think the, just to have prayer, just to talk, that it's, just to discuss hope. And I, and I think whether it's in the church or whether it's our neighbors or friends or whoever, I think in our, we need to figure out how we ourselves personally and collectively are going to promote Christ and promote hope and promote the relevancy of it in their lives. And so that is why in verse 13, Paul says, Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations, 
Because even though Paul is in prison and has been beaten and has been shipwrecked, he knows that he still has the hope. And the exciting thing is that everyone in this room has that same hope through the cross of Jesus Christ. And then he, he goes on in verse 14. He picks up where he left off in verse 1. Of, For this reason I, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he, he prays for the for Ephesians, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And that's important in verse 15, because the Jews thought that their descendants of, of Abraham made them more important and more special. However, the whole family, Gentiles, Jews, all nations, belong in the family of, of, of God. Is this my water? Yes, it is, and I hope no one if I drink it. <laughs> and then verse 16 and 18 in the original text would have started so that. So Paul prays so that, verse 16, and Paul prays in 18 so that. So the first, I guess, so that was that. Keep up next slide. Perfect. So God, so Paul prayed so that God would strengthen them by his, his spirit and Christ might dwell in their hearts through faith. Paul, Paul, Paul prays so that God will give his readers Strength that comes from his enabling power, the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, when it says the, the glory, it's hard to define glory to me. To me, it's what makes God, God, all the attributes of God that makes him God. And, and Paul goes on to pray in verse 18. Paul prays so then, verse 18, so that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. And the Ephesians used to be very superstitious and believed in magic. And when the, the scrolls or whatever forms they wrote in, whenever they, when they were excavated, the, these four dimensions, width, height, length, depth, were, were written and would, would describe the totality of um, the supernatural power, I guess, and their ability, whereas Paul uses it here to, to, to describe the totality of God, the ultimate creator. And I, I had to stick up there... I, an um, American uh, theologian, he, paraphr- he paraphrased verse 18, that, that you might have the power to understand the incredible vastness of God's power. That is a big verse. I don't know how, f- it's hard, isn't it, to have the power to understand and comprehend the incredible vastness of God's power. Our, our end result, our goal is in verse 19, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That is our desire here when we walk out Monday morning next week. And it's, it's not easy, you know. I don't have a one, two, three miracle uh, recipe, how it's easy to fullness of God. But, but I do believe that if we take these words to heart and if we, um, 
if we ask the Father to help us through, 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 through Christ, we, we, this hope is, is in us. And it says in verse 17 that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. I, um, we bought a house, my wife and I, in charge two years ago. It is a little garden. I mean, my parents came to visit us last year, two years ago, and um, so I, I called, my parents called me up every week from, from the U.S., and I was telling them that it, it took me two hours to work in the garden. My parents laughed because the garden's not that big. Like, what can I do in two hours in, in the garden? But it, an hour to, to pick up this stupid root. It took me an hour. It's not, I thought it was just a little root. Oh my goodness, my back, everything was hurting when I was done with that. And I think we, we want to be so rooted inwardly. We want to have the root of God's love in us that it will help us and enable us to face whatever we need to face throughout the day of the week. In verse 20 and 21, now to him who is... The next, next uh, slide, please. I hope it's okay to read. Now... To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Now, he could have just said, Paul could have said, Now to him who is able to do what we ask. But no, he put to ask or think. And then he put to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly according to the power that works in us. If 20 and 21 aren't true, if, if we don't believe 21 and 22 are true verses, then the whole chapter can't be true. The whole chapter is, would, would, would be a complete waste. A lot of our faith is built on the fact that God can do whatever we ask or imagine. And so that is why even in in verse 14, no, I'm sorry, in verse 13, Paul can write, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations, because he, know, he knew that we have hope in the fact that Christ died and rose, and knew that anything we ask of, of the Father, he's able to, to do what we ask, and even more than, than that. And for, for me, it's, it's, it's very, I think it's important that the first three chapters are what are the believer's um, position in, in Christ. And then the next three you'll put in, in to practice. Because we need to know who we are before we can live out who we are. I, I was a um, Christian at the age of 19. I won't do right now my story, but it, it's one of those drug and all that kind of stuff. And it took me, it took me a while to, to understand or to really believe, I guess, the fact that it's all been done for us, you know, and that we don't have to do anything, that it's been done, we have the hope, we don't have to do anything to get God's grace. If you could put up the, the last slide, you'd be happy to know that this is my, my, last, my last slide. And as, as I close now, just a few 
questions? Um, that if you can just think about it, do I have a consistent prayer life with God? What am I defined by? Are we defined by works? Are we defined by what we do, what we have? Or are we defined by the fact that Christ loves us? We have hope in, in Christ. And that anything we ask of, of God the Father, he'll, he'll listen and answer. How can I create more time in my day to spend with God? I don't have any kids, but and my life is packed as it is. So some of you are so much busier uh, than me. It can't be easy. It can't be easy with life and work and jobs and neighbors and family to look after. But how can I create more time in my day to spend with God? Number four, who can I share my faith with this week? Maybe someone just comes to mind. Do I pray bold prayers or do I dream big, big dreams? I mean, we, we just read that we just read that uh, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And what is one thing that I am going to take away from this sermon to implement or think about this week? We'll leave a minute or two of quietness and I'll say a prayer to conclude this time. I thank you, Father, that your, your promises are for all nations, Father. Lord I, Lord, I thank you that you do love everyone, Father. Lord, and I ask you that you help us to live out the, the fullness of your, your glory, Father. I ask that you help us to I guess to, to go in deeper and deeper love with you, Father. Lord, and as this, this, this week goes by and there's going to be struggles and temptations and problems, Father, that we do remember that regardless of everything, Father God, you do care about everything and we have hope in you, Father. Amen. So we're going to conclude now in a song.